Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hello, all listeners and watchers. Welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a great guest on the show, somebody we connected through LinkedIn off the back of one of our previous shows, and we got the talking and finally connected with Latifa Khan. Latifa, how are you doing today, miss? I'm good. Thank you, Neil. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. We're in Monday, March 2021, almost at the end of lockdown, fingers crossed, uh, and I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. So Latifa, for the listeners and watchers out there, could you please introduce yourself like who are you currently, where are you in the world, and what do you do for work? Sure. So um, you mentioned my name, I'm Latifa, I'm based here in North London, and I work for a cybersecurity company and I do a hybrid role um, of sales and partner. Um, so it's all new business, just it divvies up between channel and new business. Oh, okay. So hybrid role. So you're doing a bit of biz dev, you're doing a bit of channel partner work as well, and you're working in the world of cybersecurity. Is that right? Yes, correct. Perfect. So we've had a few cybersecurity guests and they've all been female SDRs. There's a trend going on here. Um, and I do love the world of cybersecurity. So it's great to have you on the show. Um, so if we were looking and for the watchers out there, because we can now uh, check out screen sharing on this great podcasting platform. <laughs> so Latifa, here you are. Uh, I love the cybersecurity background on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> but to kind of help set the scene, uh, if we look back at your kind of career, what we could see is obviously um, you came from Coventry University doing global business management. I remember when we connected on our discovery call a few weeks back where you'd had a stint within recruiting. Um, you then went into like the enterprise software space at Service Max. You had a position at ReachDesk, and that's kind of how we got connected because obviously we had Ben Smith as a guest, and I know that you've heard his podcast, and that kind of planted the seed, hopefully, for today. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, you're like a senior sales development and channel rep at Mia APAC for Eastern Tire, and you've been there for the last four months. So it'd be really great to to know for the listeners and for the watchers out there, like, please walk us through, like, how did you go from doing global business management in Coventry University <laughs> to becoming like a BD within SAS? What's the story there? Oh, God, I wish we all knew what we're going to end up doing when we're at university, right? Um, so I guess I started at Coventry University and they had us guinea pigs if you like based in the in London so we weren't actually in Coventry Coventry based out here in London having said that I spent my three years here in London um, and not in Coventry had a year abroad in Madrid absolutely loved traveling 
whilst I was at university because it meant that I travelled whilst in Madrid and outside of Europe as well, which was lovely. After university, everybody asked, you know, what are you going to do now and where are you going to go? And I just thought, wow, I haven't really thought about this. But one thing I do know is I love making money and I love traveling. So anything that incorporates the two of them together, don't know how I'm (laughs) going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So a friend of mine approached me and she said, oh, have you ever thought about going into recruitment? You're really bubbly and, you know, you speak for England and it's something that you, you might be able to do. And I just thought, these are the qualities you need to be in recruitment. You know, no idea. <laughs> anyway, went for an interview and uh, my manager at the time asked me what my favorite drink was. Um, and I thought, mm. okay, so this is this is going to be it. Like, you know, this is, is this what they ask when you move into recruitment? But um, <laughs> anyhow, got, got the job, um, ended up working in regulatory affairs, which covers pharmaceuticals. And I was doing perm and then was headhunted by another company, moved into contract recruitment. Then I figured like, you know, uh, this is, for me, I just thought, okay, this is, I don't feel like, and this is no offense to any recruitment consultants out there at all. I just didn't think I was utilizing my skills as much as I could. I wanted to use the one part of my degree that I really loved was strategic analysis. And I didn't get to use that in my day to day. And I really missed that. I wanted to kind of rip apart a business or a region and figure out how we can build and make it better. Um, So yeah, I thought either I set up my own recruitment company and do that or I move into tech sales. I then spoke to a few recruitment consultants um, and for the other side, um, and then I moved into I moved into my first gig, which was SaaS a, a SaaS role selling an e-commerce platform out in Liverpool Street in London, and um, yeah, it all went from there. Then I moved over to GE. Then it became service max and I traveled in these roles I you know I went from the whole of west coast America to central America to east coast to Europe and I absolutely loved it and I thought I was making good good money as well I thought this is excellent this is exactly what Mm. I what I love doing if I'm passionate about something and um I think it came to a point in my career where I thought okay what's the next step for me like now I've done I feel like if there's a point in sales where you feel like oh how much more training can you do and how much more can you learn and I think there's never a never a day that goes by where you think you know everything because you never know anything in sales there's always some sort of new methodology that comes out that you've not heard of um mm-hmm. and I think from there I then decided I, I'd like to because I'm good with people and I like putting relationships I know together I thought let me try out the the channel partner world and and so an opportunity came up and I I couldn't really say no absolutely love it that is an amazing story doing so many bits I'd love to pick upon there and it's something which is and obviously for the listeners that are watching in or, or listening in it's something we hear time and time again where we come out of university and we're like okay so what are we going to do mm-hmm. and a lot of people may feel lost because they don't know which way to go and what is a career. And I think a lot of guests have said, do you know what? Sales is never pitched as a career. It's something that you may do because something didn't work out or perhaps it doesn't align with your degree per se. Mm. But working in these tech companies, do you think there's anything SaaS or startups could do to help educate university graduates that are coming out or a better way to approach them? Like if you're in your company now, and you see, okay, there's a whole fresh bunch of graduates that are coming out. How would you approach these graduates and say, do you know what? Sales is something you could consider. How would you do that? 
Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that actually, because some of my uh, friends that I graduated with have actually put me in touch with their siblings who are now in their first year of university and have asked me, you know, to educate them and just sort of help them out with career progression. One thing I must say is there are many companies out there, especially startups, that are willing to give an opportunity to university students or graduates as an intern or an apprenticeship Mm. and just see how they get on. You know, some companies give you a six-week or six-months trial to put you on marketing, sales, you know, data, engineering, pre-sales, whatever that may be, just to see what part they really like because you don't really know what you like until you go and do it. I never Mm. thought I'd end up in in tech sales. I never really knew what artificial intelligence was until I graduated from university and started recruitment, Um, Mm. you know, and that's probably the ditzy side of me, but I was just like, does this mean you know um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's definitely something i think companies do do there could be more of it i am seeing a lot more startups have the opportunity um and are able to give the opportunity to youngsters which is amazing i think they should keep it up and in fact just 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 trial and error it right with with people it we've got to give back to the community in some ways or another is the way I see it. So if we were able, if someone was able to take a chance on us, why are we not able to take a chance on people that are looking to, to do bigger and to do better, or even just to figure out what they want in life? Um, if I feel like that's one way of supporting uh, grads really, especially in this, in this climate. 100% straight from the heart, straight from the heart. Yeah. I love that. Latifa. And, <laughs> As, as you mentioned, like trial and error, like you was uh, in this recruitment role and you came to the realisation that you were not utilising the skills that you had attained from your degree and the strategic element, like when did it kind of click that this wasn't for you and how did you take action to then, you know, think, all right, I need to get out and I want to try something different. What, what was going through your mind at the time? Um, I think it was just... You know, in recruitment, you have a list of candidates and you have a list of clients that you go after. And of course, in any sales role, comes to the end of the month or the end of the quarter. And if you're not close to your number, you've got your manager basically got his hands on your throat and is really trying to figure (laughs) out where you're going to get those numbers. But I think it wasn't the case for me in recruitment. I I really enjoyed it, especially my time at S3. Really, really fun company. It was one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Um, And I think moving to ProClinical and having that fast-paced recruitment you know, mindset. I just realized it's not about hitting numbers anymore. If you put your mind to it, you can always hit your target. It comes more to a point where I thought, am I am I motivated to wake up in the morning to go to work and, and do this? Is this something that, mm. okay, yes, I'm helping some candidates and yes, it's great trying to figure out what their next move is, but am I happy with my move? Am I actually content in this job? And I think I got fed up of just looking at CVs all day and matching them to jobs that I thought that would be good. And I'm not saying that is, you know, fully how recruitment works, but at that time, that was what I was going through. And I just thought, mm. I can't do this. I'm not using my brain enough. I, I, I know there's more there, unfortunately, um, and I need to be using it. So I, that was the click for me. And I just thought, you know what? I'm seeing people really do well, you know, in companies have set up themselves, have moved into whatever that may be, but and they're happy. They're really passionate about it. I was not passionate mm. about regulatory pharmaceuticals nor recruitment anymore. So I just thought I need to end of an era for me. Mm. And you've got to follow your heart, right? You've got to be passionate about what you're doing um, or at least have an interest to learn more and get be hungry about it. And if not, 
then yeah, it's a good thing to, to kind of make a change. And then as you mentioned, like um, you went over to GE or like Service Max, um, and that kind of was like, would you say that was like your first like sales orientated role where you have a target or how would you describe it? So I worked at a company um, called Volo Commerce. It's not on my LinkedIn and I don't really put it, it's a, I mean, I speak about it, but it was a, it was like a really small company I worked for. Unfortunately, I don't think they're, I don't think they're about anymore, but I think that's where I learned a lot about, um, you know, basic sales, if you like, in the SaaS world and e-commerce world. But yes, GE and ServiceMax is where I learned about selling to enterprise businesses. It's where I learned about spin selling. It's where I learned about strategic, you know, account mapping personas. And I just thought, whoa, this is this is great. You know, is this really sales? Mm. Like an engine sales engineers, really. Um so yeah, that that's what I that's where I learned all of it. I had a great team, great company you know, worked with many different areas, Benelux, UK and Ireland, were able to go out to Amsterdam so often, you know, was able to travel America with them. So yeah, I mean, one of the best companies I've also worked with, many companies that are pretty good with us. One one company that I was always challenged and I I really enjoyed um, just the way they articulated how to go after specific accounts. I think most companies should work that way, in my opinion. I love it. And like you said, like when you came out of uni, like you wanted to travel, you wanted to make money and you got to do that there. And I remember like when I was an SDR and I was telling my parents like, oh, I'm off to San Francisco or I'm off to Amsterdam or I'm off to Belgium. Uh, and I put it on my Facebook like, yeah, I'm, I'm jetting off, you know, in this sales job. And a lot of people say to me like, what do you actually do and why do you travel so much? And I just thought, well, it's just part of the sales life. And it was a great experience and I got to see so many places and eat so much cool food. I'm a big foodie. And I love having new food. But like, what was going through your mind when you're traveling to all these places like on behalf of your company and this is part of like your sales career? Like, What exciting things did you get up to and what cool things did you get to see? Um, so three questions. So the first answer to your first question is what was going through my mind when all this was going on? I felt so blessed. Um, I mean, if I could take, turn my laptop around, I'll show you my whole wall here is full of images that of where I've traveled to. Um, and I just felt so blessed. So I, I, I grew up in a, in, in a household and in a place where, you know, I wasn't able to get all of this. I didn't really think, I didn't know what success looked like. I didn't know, you know, what, what traveling really was until I went to university. And that's when I was able to branch out of my comfort zone and meet new people and, you know, see people from all walks of life and see how different people in different countries live. So first thought was, I'm so blessed. There's many people that are still not where they want to be or don't even have the ability to get on a plane and travel to different parts of the world of click of a finger and have things expensive. You know, I just felt blessed. You know, that might be the basics for some people, mm. but I think if you really humble yourself down a little bit, that's not that's a luxury actually. Um so that was the first thing. Um and the second thing, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I learned so much whilst going away. Uh, I learned how to do business in different countries. I understood that people in APAC, you know, you've got to talk to them in a different way. People in Saudi Arabia, you've got to talk to them in a different way. 
you can't just go out there and you know talk to them like you're speaking to someone at the pub here in England yeah it really doesn't work that way so I learned a lot I met some good friends you know still people I've worked with in the past I still hold on to good relationships and and so I have so I'm really grateful and thankful for for that opportunity to be honest and I would encourage everyone and anyone to you know don't be afraid of working for a company where you feel like you might be a remote worker because actually that means you're able to travel to their HQ probably mm. for me right now it's Canada so when lockdown is over my training would have really been in Canada but it can't be because of lockdown so you know that's mm. one thing that I would recommend people to to look out for if they love traveling look for a job that allows you to sell in different regions work for a region that potentially they'd love to travel to that probably means they'll go and visit it at some point so don't be afraid don't don't worry there's people that will mentor you in a company there's people that will look after you and have your back you know as long as you put in the, the time the effort the perseverance 100%, I love that thank you so much and you're right where when you're being like a BD or an SDR and you're selling into new regions like I had a really stark awakening like when I was a UK SDR and I was like the only SDR in EMEA and I was talking to people in Germany, in Finland, in France and understood there is a different level of business acumen and discussions when you're talking about SaaS and a solution. And I remember like uh, when I was working at Zora uh, and we was entering into the DACH markets so like Germany, uh, Austria and those sort of places uh, I didn't understand that they were highly sensitive to data and they had one of the most stringent privacy data laws in the world. And like I said, well, look, we've got customers in the UK, we've got customers in the US, they're all happy with it. Why are you guys not? And they said, well, unless you have a data center in Europe, we're not going to be doing business with you. And I was like, what? Um, and I think when I was working within France, um, and this is 10 years ago, but they were very risk averse to using cloud technology. They only trusted on-premise, like local install devices and systems and I'll be like dude it's the cloud like come on yeah. um but also like working in APAC um when we we're speaking to Jake McGraw a few weeks back he said everybody hates coding in APAC you just don't do it you send emails or yeah. you meet with them face to face it's yeah. yeah you just you can't do that and it was quite like I was like wow so I think being able to travel and go to North America and go to these countries learning not only a sales culture but learning people culture and how yeah. things are like built around the world I think that was quite a great insight so hopefully for the listeners and watchers out there like when COVID and lockdown eases there will be more opportunities for these graduates or new SDRs to be able to travel and take it like take it jump on yeah, that plane and go travel and absolutely. meet new people it's so cool absolutely honestly it's <laughs> one of the best things I think not only do you walk away with so many memories but you never know when your next gig's gonna be and where it will be at and what you'll end up doing could be that you end up loving your time in a plane and you decide you're going to move out of sales and become an air hostess. You just don't know where life's going to take you. So just take every opportunity you have and go and embrace it and enjoy it. Like you said, a great thing you said about when you go to different countries and you understand the culture a little bit. In America, I noticed a lot of the people there, for example, if you say thank you, they just say, mm-hmm. And that's their way of saying you're welcome. When I first mm. went to America, I thought that was really rude. And I just thought, wow, dude, come on. I'm saying thank you here. Like, don't just mm-hmm me. And then I <laughs> said to some of my colleagues, why do Americans do that? 
And they said, that's, you're welcome. And I thought, but they haven't said that. And they said, but that's their way of saying it. And I thought, okay, great. Mm. Now I know not to get annoyed. And that's, that's actually been polite. There's little nuances like that. I think if you don't travel and if you don't even speak to people from different regions, you won't really understand. Definitely, definitely. And it's good to ask those questions as well, because I think when I went out to the US, like I was the only British person to go out there. And a lot of different customs when I was in, uh, say, in Foster City versus going to Denver and Colorado, there are so many different nuances. But I think having that curiosity and asking those questions, like, why do you do that? And why are things done like that? It's good to learn because that will help you with your sales experience as well because now when I'm connecting to people or leaders in those countries I know how to have those discussions based on being able to travel to those countries and being able to like I think like sometimes uh, as I mentioned to you before this recording I like to go out to Belgium a hell of a lot and every time I connect with a new prospect uh, from Belgium I'm like so good morning I say thank you well and they're like wow your Dutch is good like where did you learn this do you know any more I said no that's pretty much as far as it goes but I always try to learn at least a little bit of lingo from from where yeah. I'm traveling. Um, and as you mentioned, like um, you you also said a great piece, like the, you can never be learning too much because there's always a new methodology. There's a new way of uh, doing sales or a new, you know, like you said, spin selling. There's the challenger sales. There's winning by design, spice methodology. There's so many different things. Yeah. And I think um, it wasn't until the podcast went live and I connected with you like shortly after Ben's episode um, I saw you on LinkedIn a few times, but more recently, I've been seeing a hell of a lot more videos coming from <laughs> yourself. So I'd love to know, like, where are you learning your inspiration videos and what's kind of prompted you to be more video facing on LinkedIn, Latifa? I think I have come to a point where I used to hate listening to my own voice. I used to hate looking at myself and rewatching videos. But I've noticed since doing that, I've improved so much in my day to day. I know it might sound silly and what have you, but actually I realized even whilst speaking to you now, I've probably said um a couple of times and only when recording, I realized that I say that a lot. But, you know, it's things like that. And I think the reason I've become a bit more, I guess, um, you know, positive about putting videos and putting myself out there on LinkedIn is because I'm seeing loads of other people do it and it motivates me to to also do that. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I think the reason I've been so consistent is I, I think I spent two weeks away from LinkedIn just to like yourself have, you know, I was getting to a point where I was burning out and I had some time to reflect and I had a few, at least about 20, 30 people message me saying, oh, we, we were really looking forward to your Friday content. We learned so much from it. Love to pick your brains. Nice. I thought, oh, hold up. Well, you know, this is, this is amazing. Like, I had no idea. You know, <laughs> you see the views there and sometimes you don't see the likes and you get disheartened a little bit. But actually, it's not the likes that matter. I saw an Instagram algorithm the other day saying that it's not the likes that matter. It's actually saving the content. And here on LinkedIn, it's the same algorithm. You know, it's not about the likes. If people are reflecting from the content you're putting out there and they have questions and they go and implement what you're putting out there, no questions asked. I do it when I see someone else's video. Someone tells me how to book a meeting in, in two minutes on a cold call in a really quick, savvy way. I'm going to watch that video and see if I can implement it and do it my day to day. So I got really inspired and um, 
I had a few friends from university that I haven't spoken to in many years give me a call because they're still connected me connected with me on LinkedIn. And I said, wow, dude, I was so cool that you're doing this. And I, thought, well, I felt a bit famous. I thought, oh, wow, okay, yeah, this is great. You know? Love it. I just put more stuff out there. But no, I, I get my content from books that I read. I read, uh, if they call them self-help books, but, you know, Simon Sinek, uh, you know, what, Hash Yourself Why, you know, Never Spit the Difference, all these kind of books, podcasts. I think I'm more of an old school book reader. So I like to mm. read a lot of books. I like to watch um quite a lot of YouTube videos as well on different types of um, selling. I'm quite visual in that sense. So that's where I get some of my content from and also trial and error of myself. You know, I make mistakes day to day. I'm not perfect. I learn things and if I can share my learns with people that, and I help other people grow in, in their career, then I'm here for it. You know, I, I don't mind doing that at all. That is a hell of a lot of information and I've just taken that one and I've absorbed <laughs> and loved that. Um, I've learned a hell of a lot from it but so I think kind of going back to it is where you said you took a step back from LinkedIn for two weeks because you could kind of sense the burnout and it's a topic I've recently posted on LinkedIn because I came very close to it and yeah I've realized I need to get a hell away from phone I've actually taken LinkedIn off my phone because like when I'm cooking dinner I can sometimes find myself back on LinkedIn even when work is finished and I'm on there and I'm consuming all of this sort of content as well. Um, and also the bit of like where we don't like our own voice or we don't like watching ourselves. It's really funny because my cousin, who is a GP in North London, uh, we always used to send each other uh, WhatsApp voice notes. And normally he just used to text and said, Neil, I don't really do this voice note thing. And I just keep sending him voice notes. And then today he messaged me like, how you doing, Neil? How you doing, cuz? And then I sent him a video to say, yeah, I'm really cool. And then he replied back and said to me, my wife, because he's actually doing his own social media thing for his GP practice. And he says, my wife told me that I need to be on video more. And the more I do it, the more comfortable I become. I was like, cuz that's what we say in sales. Like that's how you get confident in doing it and watching other people do it can help inspire you as well. Um, and it's really interesting, as you say about the, uh, the Instagram, like the algorithm and the LinkedIn algorithm, it's not about the likes. And I agree with that as well, because We may put posts out there which may not get hundreds of comments and likes, but I always think that, and it kind of comes to your end point, which is if you can help somebody out, if one of my posts or one of these episodes just helps one person give a bit of perspective or help them in what they're trying to do for that day, then my job's done. You know, if you get loads of others after that, then cool, but your content can go like wildfire. So like where your friends from uni are reaching out and say, hey, Latifa, you see your videos on LinkedIn? This is so cool. And it does make you feel a bit like special to an extent. And I think there's nothing wrong in that and celebrating that. Um, But yeah, to to say to that, please keep firing off the videos. I think they're really cool. Um, What was it? There was one that I commented on the other day about the filler words. Yeah. So like the mms and the ahs. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, would you, so how, how is that, how did you identify that and what are you doing to kind of help you out with filler words? I think because of posting on LinkedIn, I naturally watch my videos back and I just thought, oh God, I am saying, um, a heck of a lot. This is not cool. What is going on? But a lot of people who spoke, like watched those videos said, and, and I knew them and I asked them what they thought and they said, that's just you. That's just how you talk. That's fine. That's normal. And, and, and I said, yeah, but come on, we've all got time and have space for self-improvement. I definitely think that's an area I can improve. And I, I'm one of those people. I can be a bit hard on myself. You know, if I'm, I've hit my target, like even today, I'm talking to you, my quarter ends in April. I, 
I've hit my target for the quarter already. But I'm thinking, how can I do more? How can I do better? How can I do this? You know, um, and my manager always says, "There's there's areas and there's ways that you can you can sit there and be really hard on yourself and what have you." But sometimes it's nice to just sit back and see the see the positives and, and see the good things. But I, I don't know, I, I can't be that way. I, I just like to improve every single um, thing I can whenever I if I've spotted it. So um, that that's where it came from. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I remember like when we was having that discussion where uh, when we was like doing the pre-recording to this, which where you were saying like you're somebody quite competitive, and we can sometimes mm. be competitive in ourselves. We want to improve upon what we're doing and I think there's nothing wrong with that but I think it's equally important to take stock of how far we've come what we've achieved and to be happy and proud of those achievements but like you said there's always room for improvement and as I say to students it's not about perfection it's about progress Mm. and if you can improve by at least one percent every day by end of year that's 365 percent improvement and growth and as an as as an individual um, and also, like I think the tip that I gave you on your video that you put on LinkedIn is my old manager. When we used to do the mm's, ah's, and those fillers, like when we used to do role plays and discoveries, we'd have to do squats. And yeah. it's something I do in my happy selling, like uh, role play coaching with students as well. Um, but even like with these podcasts recording, I have to sit uh, for hours, like going through all these podcasts. And it kind of reminds me of like outreach or sales loft when we're looking at our call recordings to see how much has guest or prospect spoken, how much have I spoken. And my PA says to me, Neil, the amount of times you say, love it, wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do it a hell of a lot. And I'm really trying hard to like get out of it. Even like when we've spoken in this episode, I could hear say, love it. I need to find an alternative for love but it. But it doesn't so, like... matter. It, it's what makes you you is, is, what I, is the way I see it, right? Like every time I hear something that reminds me of the way someone else said something, I, I will naturally always think of that person. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Of course, we're always our own critiques. Like we just want to do better and what have you. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing. If you say love it, that's a Neil thing. That's absolutely fine. It's the guy that I used to work with at Reach Desk. If he's listening to this, everyone will know who I'm talking about. But he used to say lush. Oh, that's lush. Oh, this is lush. And the other day, someone messaged me saying, oh, this is lush. And I thought of him straight away. So I messaged him to see how he was. It's just, it's one of those things, right? It's just, it, it's not a bad thing. But again, you can always try and improve um, in, in whatever you do. I don't think, it's, don't be too hard on yourself about it, honestly. But you are one of the main inspirations, I think, on LinkedIn at the moment with videos. Oh, thank you. Posting content. I think you've really motivated me to put things up and even small things when people are liking, sharing, commenting on other videos. I think that really helps. You know, you've got, I had somebody message me from, I don't know where the other day, from Scotland or something. And I thought, oh, wow, like, you know, this is really cool. Sales is one world, one one happy family if you like happy in the happy selling world everyone Mm. is doing the same thing is on the same grind you know if we can share things on linkedin that we can help somebody why not especially in a world where we can't even have face-to-face communication you know this is the closest Mm. we're getting right now it is i I agree with you and i love it it's one big close-knit community and i think historically like when um, I was doing sales. We to the, to the level that it's at now today, where SDRs, BDRs, account executives are all building communities like AEs of LinkedIn, SDRs of LinkedIn. Um, 
like coming onto this podcast, the love, the sales love is so strong because in contrast, like two or three years ago, like even prior to the pandemic, it wasn't as tight. People did stuff in their own world and kept themselves to themselves. We wouldn't really connect unless you were, I don't know, like you're in the world of cybersecurity today, unless I was in cybersecurity, I wouldn't find any relevance to you. But now when we kind of like park the industries or the verticals we're working in and realize, okay, what we're doing day to day is the same thing. We're trying to work to the goal of introduce companies to help solve problems or provide solutions to companies to help them gear up and scale up. And we are, as SDRs or BDs, we're kind of evangelizing what these co-founders are creating and trying to change the world. But we're also realizing, yeah, we're in one big happy family. So it is great to connect. And I agree with you, like, we should be doing more of this and hopefully more will come. And hopefully when lockdown eases, like, when everybody said, oh, we want to go back to normal or what is the new normal? And I think there's that quote of whatever is um, normal to uh, a spider is chaos to a fly. And I think it's a case of, like, we just adapt and we change. And the way things are changing in sales, I actually love it. I'm a big fan of sales. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you connecting with people like yourself and learning all these things is definitely something we should do more of and hopefully yeah. we'll continue to do so. But there was one bit that I did also want to ask in terms of sales, like with your role of BD and doing SDRing, um, is this channel piece. So throughout my career, uh, I've worked in companies where I've stayed in the SD role, but some of the SDRs that I've worked with or kind of like trained and managed have gone into partnerships and alliances uh, within their own kind of venture into that world. And it's not something we've really spoken about on this show. Mm. So maybe anybody that's listening in that is about to go into an SDR role or, you know, contemplating tech sales as a whole, what does partnerships mean and what does somebody do in a partnership role, Latifa? Sure. So if you think about it, if you've got a mate that's really good at, you know, PlayStation gaming, let's just say... I'm going to bring out some stuff that probably brings out a lot of my personal life now, but it's a good, it's good in COD, let's just say, Warzone. And you know someone else who's stuck with a certain thing on Warzone, you're going to connect them together, aren't you? Like, I know my mate who's really good at this. Why don't you speak to them? They'll be able to help you out. That's just your personal life. You can bring that to the work life. If you have, like, for example, I have a friend that works at Microsoft and I, I have a couple of that and they all do different things. There are ways that we could work together where I help them and they help me and we we both work together. There's many companies out there that act as like resellers or distributors or what have you where they speak to many different companies and then they help their customers help their customers. It's all about bringing, like you said, the world of sales is one thing. Depends what you like doing. In, in the world of, like you said, if you've read The Challenger, there's a relationship builder in The Challenger. And yeah. I personally think I I, I I am a go-getter but I think once I can if I can nurture a relationship and build on that relationship I'm very good at doing that so I, I figured out my strengths through doing the SDR role for such a long time and figured actually this is something that I really enjoy doing and I love whining and dining and taking people out and trying to find out how we can help them and how we can help them and you know done deal really and and so I think you have to work with different people it's very hard to get into channel unless you do it internally or know someone that will help you help mentor you and train you luckily here at East Entire I've got really really good mentor um and you know he he supported me with learning uh, 
little tricks around how to find a good partner, how to scope a good partner, how to, you know, try and, and sell to them what they need, what they wouldn't need, wouldn't want and, and just small things like that. And it's it's a learning curve. It's not so far off from and being an, uh, an SDR. The only difference is you've got to think about how are you going to make your partner's life easier for their customers? You know, how how because in the end of the day you've got to remember they value and they protect their customers a lot and you've got to make sure that you're not treading on anyone's toes here and you don't pee them off in any way right you've really got to make sure that you have their best interest at heart as much as you want to try and hit your number what have you've got to make sure that they they're also quite happy so it's little things like that that it's not as cutthroat as being an SDR where you just think oh yeah get this person in have a meeting don't know if the deal's going to close but hey ho here we go not like that at all. So um, it's more strategic. And that's why they call it alliances. You know, it's it's, yeah. um, it's it's really interesting. And you can go down many routes. You can end up being in alliances or channel or partner director. You can move down just being the manager and look at managing lots of different partners. You can go down looking after the... You can even be in a partner channel role like myself, but still, still work with the SDR team. So your number still... Mm associated with the SDR team you don't feel left out like you're on your own you're still part of the SD team so actually it's it's not like you're missing out on anything for me I always like learning and challenging myself so I just thought oh this is an area that I don't know much about but it's really cool and I know many people in it and I hear fun things so give it a go wow and I think that's that's a hell of a lot of value for the listeners in here because Again, with sales, like I kind of see it as this big tree and it branches off into the different departments. So we normally have sales, account executives, customer success or tech or product support. But yeah, partnerships uh, and alliances is a space definitely we could recommend to SDRs to look into, like if they're in their companies or if they're looking for roles as well. Because I think like coming up in SaaS in the last 10 years, I've had a lot of friends who do it. And I remember one of our partnership managers at Showpad, Siska, um, she, her job was to enable our partners to be successful. So provide education on the product, provide them solutions to help sell to their customers and service their customers. And she was constantly like taking them out for dinners. We're like, Francisco, what do you do? Like you just go out and wine and dine them. And then like, you've got all these partners and they, then we figured out, oh, they're also bringing us opportunities as well. So there is that element of hunting, but like you said, it's building a, a long lasting relationship with partners. And if that's one of your core strengths, from your sales skill sets, then yeah, explore it. Um, I've only dabbled in partnerships uh, a little. I've been on the receiving end of working with partner managers. Uh, with Happy Selling, I work with people like Sales Loft, Reggie, etc. And they look after me. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I could work for you guys. And that's the love that yeah, a partner exactly. manager can give as well. Exactly. Yeah, so... Because you've got to think about it, right? If you feel that way, you're going to try and recommend everyone to that partner because you've had a really good experience with them. That is key here. That's what you've got to look after. But again, it isn't just about me as a person and what I want to do in my role or anyone who's listening who wants to move from SDR to channel. If they want to bring this conversation up with their manager, I would definitely say it's not just a selfish reason as to they, they want to figure out what channel is. The world is moving to a channel-based model, like with selling. Mm. Yes, you have your SDR team and what have you, but partners are the way forward as well to bring in, you know, to sell your licenses or services or what, whatever that may be. It's an easy, nice way of having additional, you know, revenue sitting on the side. It's a different revenue stream for a business and it depends how big or small you are, but I definitely think there's an area of... um 
uh, a growth area for SDs, to be honest. So, yeah. Hell yes. And maybe you never know in the future you could be the advocate for like luring SDRs into that world as well. You never know. Yeah, you um, never know. You never know, Latifa. Um, but also, like, so it's it's been absolutely a bag of fun to have you on the show today. Um, and as I say with all guests, like, if there were three uh, bits of advice or tips that you would give to a younger version of yourself who's just about to embark on this journey or still in the journey, what would those three points be, Latifa? I think I wouldn't. I would advise a mini me or anyone else coming into the industry or a new job in general is not to put too much pressure on yourself. Is the first thing. Don't feel like you look at your manager and you think, "Oh wow, I need to get where my manager is within a click of a finger," because it probably took him a couple of jobs or her a couple of jobs and you know lots of learnings to get to where they are they didn't you know a beautiful flower doesn't blossom overnight it takes some time so don't be too hard on yourself is is one thing um the second thing is speak to as many people as you can not just potentially in sales if you're in sales but you know, across your company, if you start a new role, don't just think because you're in sales, you have to speak to the sales bods only. Mm -mm. I would speak to people in the engineering team, the product team, the channel team, you know, C-level guys, you know, they're just human beings in the end of the day, just because they're a CEO doesn't make them any better than you You or breathe and eat and sleep the same way. So it doesn't matter. I would definitely, definitely say do that. Um, and the third thing is have fun while you're doing it. Like if you can take an opportunity to do something you've never done before in a company and you think, oh, I, I'm too scared. I'm, I don't have that, you know, I, I don't have that experience. I'm not the right person for it. If you don't do it, you're never, it's not going to become an experience. So go ahead mm. and just go all hands and feet and don't be afraid of anything because it's nice to talk about these things years on I feel really old saying this but it is really (laughs) (laughs) good Uh, well Tiff I absolutely love it and I love um, your solid bits of advice there Um, and with the show what I also like to ask is are there any shout outs because as you said you've had some managers that have given you some great advice like any shout outs that you'd like to give on today's show uh sure so i'd like to thank i'll just get my mic ready and i'm joking (laughs) um i definitely like to thank someone who has allowed me to move into the channel world and allow me to grow allowed to mentor me you know keep me in mind whenever anything like this comes up somebody um who i work with at eastern tie is one of the channel directors has recently just moved into another role he knows who he is don't need to say his name but um i definitely definitely (laughs) recommend him a shout out to him and ben at reach desk if it wasn't for Ben I wouldn't have come across you so Ben is an amazing guy he's got a world of knowledge you know such a fun character as well such a bubbly personality he's got a great heart anyone who is looking like I said you know to work with a fun loving exciting creative company and hasn't really done sales before I'm sure reach out to Ben I'm so sure he'll find a way or give anyone some great advice I mean great great person to be honest but yeah I, I think them too for now everyone else everyone else is you know just <laughs> they're there they're there they're there yeah. but I love it yeah so definitely like if you need like you said uh, reach out to Ben's desk if you're interested <laughs> in a job at reach desk 100% hey! I was just waiting for that hey <laughs> Um, but in terms of reaching out, so like if any of the listeners or watchers are thinking like, do you know, what? I'd love to pick Latifah's brain on 
like BD Life or perhaps like Channel and Partner Life, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Latifa? I definitely think my LinkedIn, I, unlike, unfortunately, I'm a bit like you. I log off and I'm like, LinkedIn is my Instagram. It's really, really bad. I need to take it off my phone. I might take your advice on that. I think mm. LinkedIn is the way forward for that. Perfect. So we'll make sure that we'll put links into the show notes so that people can reach out. Uh, I love that bit, reach out. <laughs> that makes sense now. It makes sense of the name of the company. Uh, only took me a couple of years. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'll definitely reach out to you. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Would love to have you back on the show in the future uh, and see how things are going on your side of the life. But Latifa, thank you so much. Uh, I wish you a positive week. And definitely when lockdown's down, I need to come up to North London from South London and definitely meet up and uh, put some positive vibes into the house. Yeah. Of course. And thank you so much for having me, Neil. And keep up what you're doing. I think you're you're changing so many uh, people's perception on sales, working together, togetherness during COVID. You probably don't realize it because you do it every day and you just think it's normal, but actually you're bringing out the best in, in people in times like this. So definitely keep it up. You probably don't hear it enough and people should be telling you all the time that you are the bomb. So um, yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate this, Eva, and I've got to be careful, otherwise you're going to bring a tear to this eye, this old sales guy, and get me choked up. But no, absolute pleasure having you on. But I wish you a lovely, positive, healthy, happy week, happy week, and happy selling, Latifa. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.